Bullshit. Pretend for a moment we've entered a parallel universe, free of bullshit and full of bold solutions. That's what the No BS Show is all about. I'm your host, Dave Mastovich. Let's cut the bullshit. When selling products, services, or ideas, we love the thrill of getting to yes and hate the dreaded no. But what about maybe? Sometimes the prospect needs more information or isn't quite ready to buy. They might need to reach a comfort level with you and could move to yes if you can meet their needs or solve a problem. On the other hand, some prospects are really fake maybes that adversely impact salespeople, the sales director, and the entire organization. How? Salespeople count on the business and fake maybes repeatedly ask for more details. This forces marketers to spend precious time and energy providing information. If each salesperson has two or three fake maybes, a sales director or head of marketing sales, VP, whatever, might be counting on 15 to 20 sales that probably aren't going to materialize. The numbers add up and the impact snowballs. The sales director pressures the team. People lose confidence and miss their numbers. It's a vicious cycle. The solution is to quickly spot fake maybes and turn them into a yes or a no. That's right. A quick no is actually better than a lengthy fake maybe. So what are the signals? While each case is a little different, a telltale sign is when the prospect says mildly positive things about your product or service while putting off a firm decision with some sort of objection. Unfortunately, some salespeople continue to make small talk or mention more features of their product or service. Why? There's no pain associated with talking to the prospect, leaving with a smile and an, I'll follow up with you soon. To overcome fake maybes, though, ask fact-based and emotion-based questions and listen intently to both verbal and nonverbal responses. If you've done your pre-call prep, you'll have open-ended questions ready to help you get rid of those fake maybes. You owe it to yourself to move on to real prospects and provide them with real solutions. Our guest today is Eric Walker, the head of marketing and sales for IntegraCare Corporation, a senior living provider with communities in Pennsylvania and Maryland. Eric's worked in healthcare marketing, fundraising, business development, and as an executive director of senior living communities. Eric, welcome to the show. Dave, it is great to be here. Great to be spending some time with you, a uh, top marketing person in Pittsburgh. Oh, man. I just love this. Suzanne's just over here shaking her head saying these two are going to be crazy. Eric, the fake maybe. Talk about it as a person who leads about 20 to 25 salespeople, marketers, admissions, closers, all kinds of people. Talk about how fake maybes can impact your organization and what you've done about it. Well, I think uh, really, Dave, you hit the nail on the head. It uh, Fake maybes are those people that are just not ready to make a decision and they just drag the process out forever. So continuously, my salespeople, rather than developing new prospects or going out and getting new prospects, are working, working, working to get this person that they just so much believe is going to make a buying decision. So really, we've had to work hard, and especially in a care field or a health care field like we're in, we're all more caring people. So really, we have to work hard with our salespeople to really define 
how to ask specific questions to get to that yes or no quicker so that they can move on in the process. I can't tell you how hard it is to sit back and report to our investors, oh, this is what we're looking at as far as move-ins or as far as revenue and occupancy, and then to fall short because of those fake maybes. It erodes confidence in who we are. So you hit a nail on you hit the nail on the head right there, Dave. I mean, it is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of the sales process. Getting to know quickly is a good thing. And when you say that, it's counterintuitive to salespeople because they so want to get to yes. But getting to know quickly is actually your best scenario. Absolutely. Because no lets you move on to something else. You know, it's kind of like dating. I'd rather have a girl say no and me start to look at somebody else than to be sitting there thinking, oh, maybe this is the one. Can't relate to that experience, but Eric, tell us a little about yourself, your background, your career path. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, a little bit about me. I uh, grew up in a small town in Brookville, Pennsylvania. If you've never been there, great little historic town, uh, but I really wanted to get out of town. And I looked at a couple different colleges. Your alma mater was one of them, actually, Dave, IUP. Harvard. Really liked that. <laughs> college, um, but I uh, decided to go to Grove City because uh, Grove City really has a strong foundation when it comes to um, doing things in a, in a, in a, with high degree of integrity. And I knew in order for me to be successful, I wanted my business foundation to be built on integrity. Uh, graduated from college in 1991, one of the worst years to find a job. Just searched and searched and searched, and uh, finally uh, got my job started in senior living. How a lot of us get our jobs, or since we're talking about sales, how a lot of us find prospects is through somebody you know. My dad knew the CEO of a small uh, nonprofit organization, and they were looking for a director of sales and marketing and, and fundraising. And so I started to work with them. And ever since then, I have been in healthcare sales, uh, be it in sales and fundraising, be it in marketing. I became an executive director and actually ran several communities. I was a regional director of sales and marketing, and now I'm the director of sales and marketing for IntegraCare. One time when we were talking, you mentioned how you got, you got the bug. And I, I, I've had two guests that worked in radio, and I got the radio bug at a young age. But you told me how you got the bug for working with seniors in that first job. Tell a little bit about that because it's interesting. Sure. It's kind of funny, actually. Um, when I was young, and when I say I was young, I was probably seven, eight, nine years old, maybe at the oldest. Um a local nursing home was looking for programs and uh, my mom played the organ at the local church so and uh, my dad is a uh, speaker so they asked us to come out and do a program so uh, my dad told jokes and uh, my mom and played the piano and my sister and I we sang and did little dances and skits as a part of that so uh, and, and I really enjoyed watching the joy on these folks face that were significantly health challenged were at the end of their life and to know that in some way shape or form I could bring a small bark excuse me a small spark of joy to them really inspired me and I think that's where I really kind of got the bug to to serve seniors and and, and it's ironic how things in our lives kind of come together you know I was looking and looking and looking for a job and here I landed a job in something that I really never thought I would but it really dovetailed into who I was from my past so a couple of things that is that really I think solidifies your position and your experience and your expertise. Talk about how you've done just about everything because when you mentioned to me how you helped from the conceptual stage through the development, the, the construction, and the opening of a couple of communities, 
to being executive director. Talk about how that impacts you when you're a marketer and teaching and leading other marketers. Sure. And one of the things that's really interesting is I think so many salespeople are raised on sales alone. And so many operational people are raised on operations alone. And when I say that raised, I mean they were their careers developed uh, in one vein or another. So near the twain shall meet, you know, we always see the Dilbert cartoons about how the salespeople sold this to the people in Elbonia, I think is where it is, and how the operations people, they can't figure out how to do it because the salesman oversold it. So one of the things that I think has been fascinating about my career is I've had both sides. I did the sales side of it. Uh, so I understood prospects, selling, how to sell, how to close the sale, how to do discovery. But then I also ran several communities as well. So I understood all of the challenges that sometimes go into uh, some of the things that we sell out there as well. So I had both sides of the experience. So I think that bringing me forward circle to where I am today is uh, working in a senior living field or a healthcare field. You know, it really helps me to advise my salespeople and lead my salespeople in the right direction, develop my advertising in the right way so that I'm selling real so that people can make real life decisions and the people on the operations end can live with it in the end. And I'll bet it gives you credibility once an executive director learns your story because I'm sure it is difficult for that executive director who's wearing 10, 12 hats at a community and jumping from solving problem after problem. And they see sometimes the marketer coming and saying, I need you to help me with this tour slash visit. And then they, they're thinking salespeople are just selling. And then you get the chance to say, look, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I was an executive director and you talk about some of their pains. Does that help with their, how do oh, they respond to that? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, the, the phrase goes, till you walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. And then and until you've walked in that operational mode, whether it's in healthcare or any other business, and whether you've walked a mile in the salesman's shoes, until you've walked a mile in those two shoes, you really struggle to understand how the two can mesh. And yet, we need both sides of the business in order to make it work. So uh, I think it's added credibility for me, but I think it also leads me to encourage others, you know, as, as a part of their daily walk in their business. If they're the CEO and they grew up on the sales side, you know, make sure you're taking some walks down that operational lane. How do we develop the product? How do we manufacture it so that you understand that? And if you were raised in the operation side, make sure you're walking in your salesman's shoes, going out on sales calls, understanding what the customers are asking for. So let's segue into what we've all seen, and I jokingly say smelled, bullshit in the workplace. Give me an example from the past when you just had to say that's BS. It could be company culture you were a part of. It could be questionable leadership, a crazy boss, employees with poor work ethic, bad customer service, a time when you just had to say that's bullshit. Sure. Um, it goes back to early in my career, and I, I chalk some of this up to my lack of experience and you know lack of somewhat leadership from the CEO of the organization. But uh, I had a salesman come in and was presenting a, a product to me that uh, I knew and felt strongly was not going to benefit me. And he sold and oversold and resold and kept pushing and pushing and pushing, even though I think he also knew that it really wasn't going to drive the results I was looking for. 
And as a result of that, I, you know, eventually became beaten down to the point where I made a decision to buy it. Uh, it was kind of expensive. It took a big portion of my budget and um, it did exactly what I expected. It didn't do anything that I needed to do. So in that aspect, the salesman in this case was a BS marketer. He sold me a product I didn't need and it wasn't going to work for me in a way that I would hoped it might. So that's BS marketing to me when you oversell and you sell somebody something that they don't need. Well, that is a good example there. And uh, I want to kind of move into the flip side of that, though, especially since you've been in sales. Have you ever maybe reverse that role unintentionally where you were kind of the BS marketer? And if so, what'd you learn and how can our audience apply what you learned? Sure. I'm, I'm chagrined to say yes. Uh, I've been that BS guy before. And in fact, I became in one scenario the very thing that I hated that he did. Uh, we had, I was selling um, for a nursing home um, and uh, we had some challenges in this nursing home. And I felt in order for me to get the results, the revenue, the sales that we needed, that I had to oversell it. I had to put lipstick on a pig, if you will. I had to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Um, and so I oversold. And consequently, what happened is some of the physicians that I was selling to lost their confidence in our ability to deliver the service that I was promising. Uh, and it's not that in the end, the service that we were really doing was bad because it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. But I was blowing it up to be more than it was. I was selling a dream rather than reality. And I think in that case, I was a total BS marketer. Uh, and I had several of my customers and several of my physicians confront me on it. And I sat back and said, holy excuse me, but this is the no BS show. I said, holy crap. I said, here I am doing exactly the thing that I hated in the very beginning of my career. And, and I had to make a, a real mental adjustment to promise myself, to make a commitment to myself that every time I was selling something that I would do my utmost to be as straightforward and honest in the product that we had to offer. And even if it, the customer did not make a buying decision, I could feel confident walking out of that sales situation knowing that I not only gave my best, but sold it true, sold it right, and sold it honest. That is uh, some serious advice because Suzanne just went, been there, I've been there, we get so passionate about what we do and we want to get away from the fake, maybe turn it into a real yes and we oversell and then you get burnt because then you feel bad. They feel bad. You lose some credibility. Great story. Great advice for our listeners. Well, and I think you said it there. The fake maybe sometimes drives us because the salespeople, we want to get that yes. And if you've had a couple week streak when you've had no, 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 and you're going home thinking, oh, golly, is this a field I should be in? Maybe I need to think of a career move here that, that we tend to want that yes so bad and we thrive on it that, that those fake maybes just, just keep us hanging out there and give us that little bit of hope. Yes. That doubt that you describe whenever you've got a bunch of no's. I've had that a number of times in my career at different positions, driving down the road in one where you, I can just remember the day driving down the road going, what am I doing Am I in the wrong field? But then like you, you close one two days later and you're like, ah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. We we just came off a, a a period of time in one of my communities where occupancy was challenged. We just couldn't seem to close any sales. And even as the leader, I felt a bit down myself. And wouldn't you know it? Uh, last week they closed three sales, and this week they're going to close five sales. So uh, you know, we just had to work through that time. Um, we just had to work through it and keep plugging away, doing the things we knew to do right in order to get where we wanted to go. That's Eric Walker, the head of marketing and sales for Integra Care Corporation, a senior living provider with multiple communities throughout Maryland and Pennsylvania and ever expanding. Want to talk here on the No BS Marketing Show about what we say is real marketing, and that starts with clearly defining your target markets, then finding out what they want. Eric mentioned discovery, which is definitely a way to describe that. Marketing intel is another way to describe it, but it's all about finding out what they want, then coming back to your operations people and letting them know when you have to tweak your product or service so you can give it to them when and where they want it at a price they're willing to pay, and then telling them about it again and again. You'll hear me rant about it that unfortunately most people in this world get hung up on that last part, the telling, and they think that is marketing. But you need to start with clearly defined target markets, marketing intel or discovery to ask them what they want and then develop and give it to them when and where they want it at a price they're willing to pay. Then the telling them about it can be the fun part. So Eric, you've heard my definition of marketing. Think back to what has been your most amazing moment in your experience with marketing, messaging, or communications. What's your biggest marketing or messaging success? Uh, you know, Dave, and, and I have to give a little credit where credit is due, uh, really Mass Solutions and you guys help us to develop this message, but I think our most critical success most recently has been our hashtag great place to work, hashtag great place to live, or great place to work, great place to live. And the reason is, is because we talk about those two, We in, in, in our business right now, we're really talking about two prospects. Um, of course, our prospects are our residents and their families that are going to make a move-in decision. And we're also talking, uh, as we look at the baby boomers coming uh, and the, the, the potential for growth in our industry to become exponentially huge, uh, and the number of people to actually care for those residents dwindling. So our second prospect really is the employee. So identifying those two prospects, the, 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 the prospect or resident that's going to move in and the employee that we want to capture and continue to have stay with us, we needed to develop a message that could really hit home with both of those. Um, and it goes back to the very philosophy of our company, a big idea. Um, but we wanted to try to create uh, a great place to work so that it was a great place to live. So our family members, what do they want? They want a community of people where it's wonderful and everybody's taking good care of their mom or dad in the elderly or the senior years of their life. They want to know that mom and dad are being cared for by caring people. That's what they want. What do our employees want? Or are, They want to be feeling like they have chosen a noble profession. Not everybody wants to take care of seniors, but they are the kind of people that want to go home and they want to lay their head on the bed every night knowing that they changed somebody's life. Similar to the way I started. 
you know, with, you know, I sang that little song, I saw that resident smile, I knew I had made a difference. Our employees want that same thing. So we knew that we had to create a great place to work and people want to go to a great place to work. So that's the first part of it. What do they want? And those two different and distinct groups want the same thing, a great place to work and a great place to live. So that's been our biggest messaging success so far. What I love about it is we talk a lot about asking what's the big idea. And we say when it comes to messaging, you have to understand both your why, the company's why or reason for being, and your customer's why or reason for buying, and then crystallize that into one big idea, one memorable message or theme that makes an emotional impact on our target audiences. And what you just described was a campaign, great place to work, great place to live, that ties back to your reason for being and it's their reason for buying, which is the IntegraCare mission statement, the three-dimensional focus. Right. I mean, and that truly is the big idea. And, you know, uh, the two founders of our company, uh, Rick Irwin, Irwin and Lorianne Poutier, they really, uh, they understood our business at a different level than most. When I say that, you know, a lot of businesses are driven about profit. And we see more and more that businesses and Wall Street is driving us towards profit. And we all need to make a profit, don't get me wrong. But what they understood about our specific business is that our greatest asset was not the buildings. Certainly the buildings that our residents live in are wonderful and amazing and important. And they quite honestly are great buildings, great communities with some great features. But they realized that the real asset in our company was our employees. And by capturing the best of the best of the best and by keeping the best of the best of the best as a part of our team by developing great programs we could create a great place to work i mean a lot of our employees don't always have great home lives uh they they have a lot of challenges um and we wanted coming to work to be one of the best parts of their day and if coming to work and enjoying their work was one of the best parts of their day guess what they're going to do they're going to take amazing care of our residents. And if they're taking amazing care of our residents in, this twi in these twilight years of their lives, those residents are going to be as happy as they can be. And the adult children who helped mom or dad move into the community are going to feel, even though it's an emotionally charged and challenging decision, they're going to feel like, I made a good decision to move mom here. So hence, we make it a great place to work so it can be a great place to live. Now, folks... You want to talk about badass Rick Irwin and Lori Ann Poutier. I've been fortunate to have the chance to work with them from the first day of the company. When they told me that their mission statement was going to be to enhance the quality of life of their employees, that was going to be their mission statement. And they built upon it to say enhance the quality of life of our employees, our residents, and their families. But they put the employees first. And I can remember the first year of the company, second year of the company, the adult children, a 60-year-old um, daughter or daughter-in-law sitting across from a marketer and the marketer says, our, our first goal is to enhance the quality of life of our employees. And this uh, adult child, daughter or daughter-in-law is thinking, I'm going to spend twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 and you're telling me about your employees. But then it took courage to do that. But then they would follow up by saying, because if our employees are happy and if our employees are satisfied, they're going to make the place better for your mom or dad and for you. That was a pretty bold, badass mission statement to start in 1998 or whatever to say right off the bat, 
the first focus is enhancing the life of our employees, the quality of life of our employees. And it's something that is a testament to the company. Well, and I think it's resounded in our ongoing success organizationally. You know, uh, are we perfect? No, but we continue to be successful and we continue to strive to develop great programs for our employees. I mean, this year in each of our communities, we're going to give away a car to one of our employees. You know, I mean, did you say a car? A car, a, a brand car. new car. I kind of feel like I'm on in a price community. Rate. In yep. each community. In each community. A new car. A brand new car. Da, 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 da. Yeah, an insert prices right theme in your head, yeah. and there you go. Yeah. So, but it's, I mean, that's a really awesome thing. And, and I don't think too many companies make that kind of commitment to their employees. And it's really a, something that's going to really change the life of somebody in one of these. So, of you're going to give away 12 new cars? Yep. 12 communities, 12 new cars? Yep. What kind of cars are they? Uh, we are going to give away <laughs> a Ford Focus. Uh, so a really great car. I took it around to all the communities. Uh, it's a fun car to drive, uh, but a really nice little car. So. That is sweet. That's a heck of a promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long, what, what all have you done to like um, communicate that promotion internally? And how long, was it from January 1st of this year they knew? Or did you unveil it around the middle of the year? Uh, we actually started it around January 1st. And we had a multi-level program to really let the employees know about this. Uh, it involved me going out to the community several times and introducing the program. It involved several little giveaways we had. It involved several uh, posters that we had throughout the community reminding, you know, little pieces that we dropped into their uh, paychecks along the way as well. Then we took the car out and we had a big party and we did this big car unveiling. You know, you have the car cover. Well, we put the car cover over it and we had a big party and then we tore back the cover of the car and then everybody got to sit in the car and take their picture of it, you know, feel it, taste it, smell it, experience it. Um, and then uh, we're, we're wrapping up our year right now. So the last piece of this puzzle will be actually going out and giving away those cars. That's really cool. Eric, how can listeners contact you if they'd like to learn more about what you do? Sure. They can uh, reach out to me at IntegraCare. Uh, the number there is uh, 724-940-5544. Or they can reach out to me by email. And my email address is ewalker at IntegraCare.com. Or if they want to, they can go to our website, which is www.integracare.com. And if uh, they go uh, to some of the... Um, People in the company, they'll find my name there, my picture there, and my email address. It will link directly to my email as well. And when would your next uh, theater engagement be singing to people at a nursing home? Uh, well, th- we don't have anything scheduled right now, but I'm working with some of my people to get some engagements set up over okay. the, the early in 2016. Sounds good. Eric, thanks for being on the show. Dave, it was great to be here. Always a pleasure to spend time with you. Every time I'm with you, I think I learn something, so I really appreciate the time. Wow, this guy is just amazing. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us for the No Bullshit Marketing Podcast. Visit nobullshitmarketing.biz. That's right, new website. It still works at boldsolutionsnobs.com, but we also have added nobullshitmarketing.biz. You'll find show notes plus additional marketing and messaging resources. You can sign up for light reading. You'll receive valuable strategies just about every other week to improve your marketing and transform your message. It really is light intended to be read in two minutes or less, and it just might trigger bright ideas for you to sign up. Visit MassSolutions.biz. 
Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? And build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.